You know, last week we heard about the fact that the Law Society of Ontario is going to be looking into um, admission exams, the online bar admission exams. There seems to have been a possibility of some leaked information. And so that's put hundreds of prospective Ontario lawyers, young lawyers, uh, they've got their futures put on hold because this was their final exam. So now those have been canceled, all the exams this month, and they're looking into it. I, and I believe there are only three or four times a year that you are called to the bar to, you know, well, to write this bar admission exam before you're called to the bar. Um, so, uh, they're looking into this and it's, uh, it's a big story. The possibility of cheating. And when you think about the possibility of cheating for, you know, you're to become a lawyer, that's a bit of a big deal. Sarah Eaton joins us now. She's a faculty member in the Workland School of Education at the University of Calgary. And uh, I, I really welcome your expertise, Sarah. I was quite intrigued by what you were saying to the Toronto Star. They just did a feature piece on cheating. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for the invitation to be here. So cheating is big business, worth about $15 billion. So I guess my first question to you is what's shifted the ease of availability of getting stolen material, um, or is it the student's moral character? Well, I don't think moral characters change that much over time, to be honest. But uh, certainly since the advent of, of the Internet 25 years ago, we've seen cheating industries crop up. I mean, it was exacerbated by COVID-19. It existed long before that. But now we have online companies who specialize in things like writing essays for students, writing theses for students, selling exam answers. This is a big global industry. Can you run down some of the uh, websites and how they work? Do you have access to that? Um, I have. I tend not to mention specific companies okay, in, uh, sure. you know, when I do things like that, because uh, then I get nasty letters from the companies. But Got basically it. it works like this. Yeah. Students will, you know, type in something like, uh, you know, bar exam answers or write my essay, and they can get thousands of hits within seconds from companies willing to sell them something, whether it's what exactly they think they're buying or what they think they need is a different question. But there's literally thousands of companies out there that will try and, you know, get money from students in exchange for some kind of academic product, whether it's an essay or a copy of an exam or some alleged exam answers. You think technology would also work against them, though? I mean, wouldn't there be some sort of AI that uh, universities have uh, put in place uh, so that they can just, you know, scan your essay and look for um, examples of it online so that they know it's not yours? There are technologies out there that like, that exist like that. Um, they're, they're not as great at catching the essays written by artificial intelligence, for example, but they're developing. Um, mm-hmm. So we, we do have access to those kinds of technologies. They're not great about, for example, detecting a custom-written essay written by somebody offshore who might be getting paid a dollar or two Canadian an hour to write that essay um, because it is effectively original, allegedly original. Um, mm-hmm. And so software can't pick up that kind of thing. So the people supplying this work are often offshore and often poorly paid. So wait a minute, AI is writing essays for students? How does that work? Yeah, it's um, there, there's new technologies out there and they're advancing every month. It's absolutely fascinating, right? One of, one of the technical terms for it is large language models. Um, and, and basically you can put a topic into an AI and then it will write a piece for you. In fact, the large, um, you know, I think American, maybe some Canadian um, news, news media, mainstream media will use AI to either write or supplement some of the news stories. 
Um, and now we're finding that students can access similar tools online, often for free. Wow. I was reading that, you know, this AI is able to go through, I guess, examples of your writing style that you plug in and it can mirror it. So your prof wouldn't be all of a sudden, the red flags wouldn't go off if you were using uh, language that normally they had not seen in your papers in the past or heard from you in class. That's absolutely true. And the technology is is improving at a rapid rate. What I saw six months ago is not what I'm seeing now. It's getting more sophisticated day by day. And I think there will come a time when we can't necessarily distinguish between a human writer and, uh, you know, uh, an artificial intelligence writer. Um, and that will bring a lot of ethical questions to people like me, professors, who are grading student essays, because we, we may not know. And questions around, is that ethical, haven't yet been decided. Oh, that's interesting. I, I also was looking at this other website because I'm just fascinated by all these these uh, websites that are out there, you know, part of this $15 billion industry where students are uh, invited to basically bid on paper. So, mm-hmm. you know, on a, on a paper. So you'll, I guess you're shown an example or like you must be able to see, read a bit of the, uh, of the paper that you're bidding on. And then it goes to the highest bidder and it's original. Mm-hmm. That's one of the business models these online services use. Then, um, you know, you could, uh, as a student, you would go in and sort of look at the product uh, and then be able to order. You can order pre-written essays. You can order custom-written essays. Um, and it's as easy as students uploading the instructions for their assignment to one of these outfits. And then whoever is doing the workflow management behind the scenes can either farm out the assignment to a writer or they can put it up for auction and writers can bid on um, on the completion of the piece and the prices might be um, you know, determined by things such as how quickly the student wants the paper, the level of the paper, whether it's an undergraduate paper or a PhD paper, those different factors come into play when it comes to pricing. Um, but we know from having studied this stuff that about a quarter of the orders placed online are filled within about 24 hours. Wow. Are they filled within 24 hours? Is it is it a case of you wanted to write it um, and you just didn't somehow, uh, you procrastinated, you didn't get around to it, so you don't want to cram and write it at the last minute, so you're uh, asking somebody to write it in the in 24 hours for you because it's the due, the deadline is looming, or is it a case of we've got students that know they don't have to bother? Do we know? We, it can be any of those, right? And, and, and the research that's been done into this will, will often say poor time management is, is one factor that can play into this for sure, leaving things to the last minute, procrastinating, all of that. I, I think, you know, sort of very few students are actually, um, you know, uh, truly deceptive or truly la- lazy, but I think a lot of them are building those uh, time management skills and other study skills, and sometimes they just get to the end of their rope and think, I can't do this. And if the prof don't give them any leeway. If the student says, well, I know my prof won't give me an extension, they feel like they have no option. So one of the things I've learned to do as a prof is I'll say to my students, look, if you find that you're in a jam, come and talk to me. Let's figure it out together. I can give you a couple more days. I'm interested in you doing the work. I'm not just interested in having you submit something if you didn't do it, because that wastes their time, their money and my time. Right. Nobody needs a stiff lesson about deadlines in the real world because, you know, deadlines move in the real world as well. Now, students can also, I I was reading an expert said they can be tempted to cut corners if they're feeling disconnected from the instructor or course content. Wow. 
I mean, during the pandemic, there must be a lot of people that are disconnected. It's true. Um, and, and I think even as well for profs trying to figure out how to connect with their students in an online space, if they haven't been trained how to do that, I think has, has added an extra challenge. Everybody's felt the stress during the pandemic, profs and students. One of the things I think is key is, you know, um, to me, for a long time, there's been these adversarial relationships around academic misconduct, students against teachers, students against their schools, teachers against students. I mean, when, when I talk with my students as an educator, I focus on them and their learning and their success. I'm like, you're here to learn and I'm here to teach you. And if mm-hmm. you're not learning, I'm not doing my job. So let's figure it out together. Right. And and that's where cheating is problematic because even if you are doing your job, if you can't tell that somebody's not learning because they're taking advantage of things that they find online uh, that are being made available to them, you know, on TikTok and beyond, it's, you know, it's everybody's loss, which is unfortunate. I really appreciate you kind of shedding some light into how prolific the uh, cheating industry is out there. I mean, we're not all doomed. Not everybody's taking advantage of it, but it's clear that there's a, there's, you know, a market for it. There is an online market for it. It's largely predatory. They are reaching out to students, as you mentioned, on platforms like TikTok saying, hey, you know, need help with your essay? Let us help you. The marketing is very sophisticated. They'll effectively try and lure in students to, to use these kinds of services. But I have to say, I mean, by and large, I think most young people um, are trustworthy. They do want to learn. They've been under stress like the rest of us. And, you know, when I talk with young students at the university today, most of them are eager to learn. They're eager to get skills that they can have to, to get jobs later on. Uh, and effectively, young people today are not any more or less corrupt than my generation or yours. Good to hear. Sarah, thanks so much. I appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Have a great day. Sarah Eaton, a faculty member at the Workland School of Education at the University of Calgary. It's the Kelly Cotrera Show. You're listening to 640 Toronto.